right. Master James. Master Joseph. Que Good sejo. morning. What's that? Que sejo. What's that? Spanish? How you doing in Marathi? Oh, classic. The state we're sitting in. Classic. I should have guessed it was Marathi. I've been in India for seven minutes. I should have guessed you that was Marathi. You should have known. Yeah. And then you say, acha, acha, tike. Means I'm okay. Tike. Tike is okay. Okay. It's actually tikane. Hmm. But we, I, you know, the way it sounds is like TK. I didn't know it was TK for a long time. And all my Indian friends are laughing now. It's all good. <laughs> I think it's, I heard you on the phone today saying TK. TK, TK, yeah. yeah. And I had a t-shirt that had a great elephant on it, and it just said TK that I bought in Bombay for a long time. It was like one of those things, it's like a favorite blanket. It's like, damn, I wish I had that t-shirt. Because <laughs> it's so good. And like, you know, only Indians would understand. They, when I'd walk by, they'd be like, TK, TK. Oh, awesome. <laughs> anyway, a little. That is, that is the, uh, strangely, uh, at least paradoxically to most of us in, in the West, the hallmark of spirituality here is to fit in anywhere. As, uh, as I think a Swami has said, uh, a Vedantic, a true Vedantic student can fit in in any, any setting. He says about himself, he's like, when I'm in America, I'm more American than Americans. Yeah. When I'm in South India, I'm more South Indian than the South Indian. Right. That adaptability, for sure. And what's so, maybe not, and by the way, uh, listeners and viewers, again. Again, yeah. We, yeah. We, are, we are without Jake, our producer, so if the angle is off. Apologies. Uh, if the audio uh, isn't uh, as primo as when we have jake guiding us then uh, yes um forgiveness and if you're listening to this mm. on your treadmill somewhere or in your car go home and check it out on youtube because these videos are we're shooting live from vedanta academy from the ashram and a big part of this is to show you all what this ashram is what swamiji's ashram is here in india and we just shot a bunch of great b-roll so hopefully people can watch us walking around and acting like we were talking about something we were probably talking about surfing. Probably. In or fact, we were talking about we surfing. We were talking about surfing. But it looks like we were being really profound. That's right. We might have thrown in some profundity. We did not We did talk about Eddie Vedder there for a second. That's and, profound. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of, that, we were both in awe. <laughs> Actually, quite literally, we were like. We're kind of in awe. <sighs> Eddie Vedder is amazing. Shout out to Eddie. Yes. Talking about you here in the ashram. That's right. And, and Anthony. And Kitas. Kitas, right. who I must say. Just a little non sequitur mm. was Californication came out. I was here, and you know, yeah. he says, I, I just want to say I've been around the world back from Bombay, and I was always like, No way! Oh, yeah, I saw Into the Wild. Uh, Eddie Vedder did the soundtrack for that, as, as Such you a know. Good one. Yeah. Uh, I saw that right before I was deciding whether, after graduating college, whether to um, kind of take a conventional job here in the U.S. or go to Cape Town uh, for, for a job for two years and to strike out. That's right. And, and it was, uh, I mean, the whole, the whole theme of the, the movie is independent-minded <clears throat> approach to, to life. And, the, and bringing it back to the conversation at hand with this idea that uh, I think there is this misconception of spirituality, of seeking deep knowledge, of the spiritual pursuit as being independent from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. as, uh, 
looking independent. Mm-hmm. It's actually so that 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 notion that a a true Vedantic student fits in in any situation. Yeah, it's so contrary to our views, especially in the West, of a religious person, person separate from everybody, separate from everybody, unlike everybody, right? Right, and even even that twenty-two-year-old uh, adolescent notion of like finding myself is into the wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so not about isolation. Isolation. Yeah. The village preacher, one of the poems that we study here, it says, to, to them his heart, his love, his griefs were given, but all his serious thoughts had rest in heaven. So the, the preacher is a portrait of, in that case, an enlightened person, but he's fully with everybody. He's, 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 he's in the marketplace, as it talks about in the Bible, you know, and um, uh, of course, <clears throat> um, like a scientist, who is required to go into their lab to, to do the, the introverted work of figuring things out and coming up with solutions, uh, and then emerges to very much serve the world and be with the world. Like a scientist, the, the spiritual path does require that self-study time, mm-hmm. right? And, and, but it's, it's not, it's not like, uh, a total lifestyle necessarily i mean there are those uh, ascetics and and people who uh, rightfully went to sit in the caves and and never came down in mm-hmm. fact one of the gurus in our lineage uh, swami tapavanam he um he went to rishikesh as, at a certain age went up into the himalayas and never came down Ever again, he was he was available though, and he had an ashram, and he lived quite a solitary life. But that was more for for maintaining that purity, maintaining that that uh, concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, but for us, four a.m. to six a.m. no doubt is the essential practice, and that is alone in your room. It's not a group. It's not even listening to lectures like in this lecture hall where we're sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the the most crucial aspect, but it is to make us, as you say, be able to live harmoniously with the world, however it is, wherever it is, with whomever uh, we're presented with. That because of the uh, identification that you established. So we were just looking at the Gita, uh, chapter 6. We are studying that on Saturday, the day before. And um, he talks about having discovered the self within, you see the self in all beings. That's yeah. the litmus test of, of, of spiritual growth, of self-realization. And that's what allows us to be at home with anyone, anywhere, mm. is that identification. That's the mechanism. Mm-hmm. What, it's obvious. What is it that, that doesn't make us feel comfortable is when we feel like that person is other or that place is not my place. Or, or when, you, when you have that identification with the essential self with the brahman with the absolute reality which is everywhere by definition you are comfortable anywhere Mm. yeah Yeah. and in that analogy of the scientists in the lab there's this place where you would go to decrease the variables it seems and please correct me where i could be wrong here but yeah it's a place you go to decrease the variables to experiment with truth to find 
the truth, but then you don't keep that finding in the lab. If anything, it's meant for anywhere but the lab. Mm -hmm. You find that scientist finds that, that insight. It's not like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to write it down, leave it in here. Leave it here, yeah. It's, it is for everywhere but that 4 to 6 a.m. time. It's for that interaction at 8.30, yeah. the traffic at 9. Yeah. The, that's the real wild is mm -hmm. not <clears throat> escapism. Mm -hmm to isolation, to the lab and never coming out. I remember walking through um, Times Square, literally Times Square <laughs> in Manhattan. Talk about the wild, yeah. With, with Swamiji um, at like 6.30 p.m. on an on a early fall evening. It must have been September, October. That's his usual thing. So anyone who knows New York, I mean, 5.30 to 6 in the evening on a weekday, that's it, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. they're just... Everybody was there in every direction, you know, and um, walking with him, it was so interesting just to, to stop and kind of, I stopped and let him kind of walk by me. And it, he's fully the same as if he's walking here alone on this, this track here at the ashram mm. or walking alone through a field. The same poise, the same balance, the same steadiness of, of presence you know, mm -hmm. and uh, he, he always says, you sh this knowledge is for Manhattan. So it was like, for me, it was mm -hmm. like, it was fun to actually like literally see that, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, this knowledge is for the marketplace. It's for your life. It's for life and living. It's the mm -hmm. knowledge of life and living. And he says, anybody can be peaceful in this village, you know, but to be peaceful in Manhattan, that's, that's it. That's it. You know? mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was a real pleasure to, to see it. Um, but having that, that retreat, um, this place, ashram, means refuge. Mm. So this ashram, we come and we take refuge. We strengthen ourselves, some of us for years. You know, there's a three-year residential course here that the students are, are engaged in. Um, and then many people stay longer and some of us come back regularly. You've been here twice in the last year as yourself because it allows us to come and focus and do that inner work and that recharging like the scientist in the lab. Um, but ultimately it's meant for our life. People talk about, uh, you know, the real world or, or, this is one thing and the real world is something else. This is the world, that's the world. It's all the mm -hmm. world, but this is an aspect of the world that is designed for people to come and uh, get a, a hold on their mm. personality, get understanding, like, a, like any kind of retreat. You know, like a, people go on fasting retreats and health retreats and all kinds of yoga retreats and whatever. To, to, you know, you, you have your own yoga practice. And so you go on a retreat for 10 days and you take it up a level and really strengthen yourself to then ultimately be able to practice on your own mm. with that same thing. And, and in terms of developing the intellect, in terms of attuning to the reality, it really helps to pull away uh, mm. from the world and come to a place like this. But as you rightly say, that's not the ultimate, the ultimate purpose of it. And even, even uh, Swami, would, you were telling me, even setting up the ashram, he would still live in Bombay. He would commute, he'd come in, but still live um, part of the week, if not maybe the majority of the week. In, so, um, which is for listeners, that's three New York cities. Oh, yeah. 
with none of the infrastructure, uh, orderly infrastructure that well, you'd different. expect. It, it has infrastructure, it's just mind-boggling yeah. how it works. Bombay is a miracle. I could talk about Bombay forever, don't get me started. Yeah. I love that place. I don't know how it works, but it's amazing. But yeah, it's huge. There's 20 million people, probably 30, who knows. And uh, Swamiji has a, a beautiful apartment right in the midst of it. And uh, yeah, he would come out uh, for four days to the ashram, four or five mm -hmm. days, he would teach. And then he would go back to Bombay and be at home there for a few days, uh, really to give us a chance to digest and, mm -hmm. and reflect and, and um, spend time with the knowledge that he's given. The problem is, those of us who are interested in philosophy, all of us, especially this type of philosophy, Eastern philosophy, it's uh, really easy to want to keep reading more and keep mm -hmm. digesting more information because it is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And it's an ocean. It's like, you just, it, it's so enticing. And it's so much more interesting than the daily news or the whatever. And mm -hmm. once you get a taste for it, it's like you just want to have that and all it's the so time. practical. You see it working. You see it like working, at, yeah. At a dinner last night, I was, I was uh, chatting with one of the students and and we mentioned a handful of different things that, that were favorite aspects of the philosophy. And every single one of them, we even noted, you could test out in 15 days, probably mm. anything we've mentioned mm. in this series of being here, even it's, though it's said from an ashram, test it out for 15 days and you can experientially, it's not words on a page for mm. something 10 years down the road yeah. that clicks. Yeah. You try it out and you ex it's like every ounce of your being is is built You're like, for you this to try is it, it out. This is it. This is it. Yeah. And so it is so addicting mm. of yeah. like, I want to surf all day, every day yeah. on these concepts. Yeah. And I want to find the next wave and the right. next wave. And the next wave. So it's, what we have to actually do is throttle that tendency back. And this ashram is set up to provide, I think we mentioned in, in the earlier episode, it's really a unique in that it provides so much time for what is called manana. Mm. So the ignorance of ourself is conquered by shravana, manana, and nididhyasana. These are Sanskrit words, but I'm saying them for those who will appreciate them. Shravana means listening, gaining information. So the first step is to gain information, whether it's from books, from the e-learning, from Swami's e-learning course, which people can uh, avail or listening to lectures, whatever. That's shravana. Mm -hmm. That's one step. That will only give us information. That will only give us intelligence. We become knowledgeable about a subject, like a professor. Mm. Not that all, I'm not saying all professors don't have wisdom or anything, but if, if a person's only digesting information, then we're just trying to like compete with computers. Mm -hmm. And we're never going to win. They it's have, like a journalist, like can write a story, but will never become the expert. Hasn't loses the intention to even become an expert to practice or to know mm -hmm. it at all, right? And so, what's required then is the second stage called manana. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you stop shravana forever and start manana. Of course, there's a constant balance. You're taking in a little bit of information, really digesting it, really understanding it, letting it get all the way into your toenails, you know, into your bones. And then the next piece of information, digest, understand, reflect, and the next piece of information. We spent two years on the Bhagavad Gita here, which is 700 verses. If you and I read it like a play, you know, you read Krishna, I read Arjuna. 
it would be like 27 minutes, something. Hmm. It's a short conversation that happened on a battlefield. And we spent two years on that book. So um, my college degree in South and East Asian religion, the Gita was one week. Hmm. One week. There were 50 books in a semester. 50 ancient sacred texts that you would take actually 50 lifetimes to absorb. Hmm. And they're trying to push that in and rewrite it in one ear, out the other. You, you remember it long enough to pass the test or write the paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, this place is designed to really encourage reflection, that manana, to, to really sit with the, the knowledge and let it sink in. And for that reason, Swamiji would go away. At, he'd come lecture for four or five days and then drive back to Bombay himself, by the way, at mm. 70, 80 years old, um, which is remarkable, especially for a person of his sort of social standing and all to drive his own car and all. Dude, he was driving in 94. He was yeah. driving it. Yeah, yeah, we've got video from him right. uh, last winter driving. And it's a blast to drive with him, listening to Carnatic music and yeah. South Indian classical music. He's singing the whole way, having a, so much fun. Um, and then he'd stay in Bombay for a few days and then come back. And then every month he would leave the country, not just go to Bombay. He'd go to Australia. He'd go to South Africa. He'd go to America. He'd go to Europe every year for 40 years, 50 years. It's just a remarkable I mean, it's remarkable is not the word. It's, it's astounding, the, mm-hmm. the level of service and action that he did. It's not like he would just go to America and sit in one house either. He'd go to America, be in one place for three or four days, get on a plane, go to another place three or four days. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of travel, a lot of service, and not staying in the four seasons, staying with people, staying in homes, mm-hmm. in people's lives, dealing with people, fully with people. Economy you, class with yeah. different... Body, like pain issues. Yeah, recently in the past five, ten years, um, uh, some people put their foot down and said, Swami, you have to travel business class, you know, because he's like, okay, you know, because at that point he's 85 years old or still traveling the world. So anyway, um, a remarkable study in service. And like you were saying, interaction with the world. I mean, it, um, I asked him one time, uh, we were in Aspen at the Aspen Institute for the Ideas Festival. And I asked him, I said, uh, I saw him by himself in his room and, and it got me thinking. I went to get him where it was time for his talk. And I said, so I have a question. Uh, when was the last time you had a meal by yourself? Because I saw him by himself kind of doing something before I had said hello, you know, and I realized like I've not really seen Swami like that by himself only writing like I've seen him writing by himself a lot but I was like when was the last time you had a meal by yourself he was like (laughs) thinking and then Sunandaji his daughter comes in she was there and uh, he said uh, Joe's asking a question uh, when was the last time I had a meal alone and she's also staring at the ceiling like they're both calculating and they decided it was like 1994 Hmm. something happened and for some strange reason, Swamiji was at home alone at lunchtime. I mean, to, to your point, it goes to, to the idea that we think of Swamis as sitting by themselves under a tree, not talking to anyone. The man has not eaten a meal. He hasn't mm. pulled up a bowl of cereal and, and watched the news and had a meal in 20 years. 
I mean, at, or at that time, 15 years. I think it was 2008 I asked them that question. Fully with people all the time, all the time. And, and yet, not just with them, but the center of the room of people siphoning value, whatever value they can get out of them uh, constantly. constantly. Unbelievable. Um, so that's kind of an aside. But uh, so, yes, he would leave every week and then he would leave every month completely to and by design mm-hmm. you know it would this is a beautiful place to live he's he's uh, his his quarters here are very comfortable for him you know and, and probably he would think hey i can just be here all the time but knowing that it the students what's really valuable is for them to turn within and reflect in their rooms alone and study on the information given rather than always looking for the next piece of information mm-hmm that's what develops the intellect. Mm-hmm. And then you enter the stage of nididhyasana, which is contemplation, wonder, single-pointed awe mm. at the truth. And a very high state of thinking that comes about through after you've heard the information and really thought through it and reflected, you're able to... It's a, it's a meditative state of, of contemplation and mm. wonder the whole whole entire full personality worship of, mm. of the truth you know and that process liberates us from the limited idea that i am joseph and you are james and the bird is the bird and all this is yeah. not the truth and, and what it what that uh you know, as I think it was Gandhi that said, my life is, is my message. What that exemplifies is his message is none of it is escapism. None of it is go to an ashram, get away from it all. No, not at all. It was actively living within it all. It was, and that is the, um, the uniqueness of something like a notion of a journey. Mm. A journey to the center is really a return to the center. It's get to your natural state, and then you can go into any wild. Yeah. You can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's a, uh, it is the opposite of escapism, which someone could say is uh, ironic for someone to watch this at the ashram, and, and it is more of a message of this is not in any way the destination. Mm-hmm. This might be a great lab, and built to be a great lab of that listening, that uh, reflection, and then that wonderment. But this is not, don't live in the lab. Don't leave your insights in the lab. That, right. You may, I mean, uh, and, and some people are more uh, lab-oriented than others, right? And, and some people are more about... Uh, Application. Some each one has their own uh, way of contributing to the to the cause, as it were, and to their own uh, natural unfoldment. For some people, more of the lab kind of thing is required by nature. Uh, more introverted, uh, less extroverted in that way. Hmm. Um, so really, it's a, a matter of finding the balance, but. Neither the lab nor the world is the goal. Right. Neither one. Mm-hmm. They are all the world. It's all within the realm of limitation. 
So neither is anyone to get permanently attached to the ashram life nor to the life in the world. Mm -hmm. There's something higher. Mm -hmm. So the point is that it's not, it's not the lab, it's not the world in terms of an ashram uh, spiritual life. The whole point is not to get attached to the ashram nor to get attached to the world but to understand that the truth is beyond them both mm. and anyway you're going to be if you're in an ashram if you're an, a person that's a part of this movement part of this cause if you're a student here the ashram will be a part of your life um like a spiritual home mm. very much like a spiritual home in fact and um but you're in the world. Nobody's outside of the world. People have this idea that like now I'm free of the world. There's no such thing. The, mm -hmm. the, the world doesn't stop at the, the boundary walls of the ashram. It, it, this is the world. That's the world. It's all right. the world. But it, um, like Vedanta in general, the ashram has a particular quality of helping us to wake up to the truth in the way that... Uh, a life in the world without it doesn't. So in um, in Sanskrit, there's a phrase "swapna simhavat," which is like a dream lion, and this is a phrase to describe Vedanta because the whole point is to transcend this illusion of the world, this illusion of individuality. That's the ultimate purpose of Vedanta. But then a person will rightly say, "Okay, but Vedanta is also a part of the illusion." Vedanta is also a part of this this dream. So why should I pay any more attention to Vedanta than I do to, you know, cricket, NBA basketball, basketball or cricket or yeah. the latest fashion? What's the difference? And the answer they give is Swapna Simhavat. Vedanta is like a dream lion. If you have a dream and there's a lion coming at you in the dream about to get you it has the effect of making you wake up. Mm. No doubt, the, the lion is a part of the dream, uh, no doubt, but it has that particular quality of being able to wake you up. So Vedanta is Swapna Simhavat. It's a part of the world, no doubt, but wakes you up. Likewise, an ashram is, yeah, it's just another place in the world, but it's got that particular quality of of waking us up to reality, to the truth, to our own nature, to our true nature, to the self. Mm. And for that, um, uh, it's wise to, to stay in touch. And, and people are most welcome anyway, anytime. Everybody's welcome to visit here. Yeah, it is. a, And I think that we've heard it said here, the evolution of the ashram uh, could very well be a place for a pilgrimage to come visit. But that the fact that all of the lectures are online right. and available to where people can have that wisdom in your pockets, just it's, it is so profound that it, I can be in Santa Monica yeah. on my phone watching a lecture that 20 years, you'd have to, 20 years prior, if I was born 20 years earlier, I'd have to venture the 10,000 miles to India to see. Yeah. Hundred years before that, have to go to the Himalayas. Yes. Leave everything behind to forever. go see forever to go yeah. see. Yeah. And and it's a and you can <laughs> do it from your iPad in 
your bedroom anywhere in the world. One of the things I wanted to ask you about in this um, misconception of sorts of a journey anywhere towards a, a destination is the, I believe it's the Isavasya Upanishad that says um, material, the material world is attachment to the material world is a blinding mm-hmm. a darkness. But attachment to spiritual courses mm-hmm. is an even greater darkness. Even greater darkness, yeah. Do you mind walking us through that aspect that it, it just is another uh, nod to this five, seven, ten thousand year old philosophy, mm-hmm. continuous philosophy? By the way, as an aside for listeners, Stoicism lasts about 380 years. Mm-hmm. Socratic philosophy lasts about 250 years and then was brought back in uh, the uh, Renaissance. But five, seven, ten thousand before it was ever written down, continual philosophy. Mm, mm, mm. Just unbroken. Unbroken. With one language. One, one, Sanskrit, right. San, uh, one, one deviation. So the, Jesus spoke Aramaic. Mm-hmm. And seven languages later, we're, we think we're, we're talking about what he said. Nobody knows what he said. Right. This is Sanskrit, the same Sanskrit that the Vedas were written in. There's one translation, at least for us who are ignorant of Sanskrit directly, mainly ignorant. Mm. We, we get one translation away, one degree away into English. That's remarkable. It's very, very close. And so this, this, um, these concepts and these, these just knowledge bombs, um, they, they unfold within, I can speak for myself, unfold within me for weeks and weeks and months because it's a truth that I haven't really heard articulated, mm. Mm. but it's a truth known. Yeah. And especially around this area code, the zip code of a greater darkness, yeah. I do not in any way profess to know it fully. But it speaks towards the, I think in many ways, the aversion people have to spirituality or religion is that they see the self-righteous proselytizer and, and, they're like, and they feel this aversion, much less that self-righteous proselytizer gets caught up in a greater darkness, it seems. Mm. But I've never heard it articulated, mm. never heard it articulated in... Uh, in at least not that crystal clear of, you know, material attachment is a blinding darkness. But spiritual attachment can be an even greater darkness. Not even can be. It, it is that spiritual attachment. Yeah. Um, could you walk me through the different facets of that as I try to explore it within? So the sensual pleasures are the most fleeting. The intense sensual pleasures are the, the most fleeting. They come and go the, the most quickly, and they also tend to have the highest cost. Subtler than the sensual materialistic pleasures, okay, even before sensual is materialistic pleasures. Um, the guy who saves up, works hard for 10 years to buy an Aston Martin, you know, that's, that's the goal. It's an Aston Martin, that's it. That joy, literally, um, I'm thinking of a, a person I actually know, a great guy, by the way, if he's listening, he knows who he is. But, I mean, it, he's, he's, he's very open about it. 
He says from the time he was 16, he was trying to buy an Aston Martin and worked and went through the grind and did everything that he had to do and got it. And he said that first Saturday morning when he drove through empty streets of London in his Aston Martin at 6 a.m. because he woke up early to drive his new car through the empty streets of London on... I mean, it sounds great. Even now, it sounds great to me. What a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. He said, Sunday, it was 50% as much pleasurable. He did it Saturday, and he did it Sunday. And this is not me being a philosopher. This is a guy directly telling me, on Sunday, the pleasure was 50%. Mm. He said, by the end of the month, it was just my car. So materialistic stuff goes like that. The big exit that everyone's dying for goes the satisfaction of it. I'm not saying the money goes or whatever. The satisfaction of it is over. And it's like, what do I do now? Justin Kahn. Um, I remember in the good, first episode of your first, of Below the Line. Right. He's, uh, he's, so, he's a co-founder of Twitch, sold it for a billion dollars. Yeah. And he said uh, about three, four months later, there were days when he couldn't get out of bed. How's that? I mean, so many. I remember um, uh, another one, uh, Blake Mykoski uh, from Tom Shoes, the Who We Know. He's, he, he said... Um, he thought he was done. He's, he got his half billion dollar exit from Bain or whatever, and they bought half the company. He moved to Austin. There's articles about it. This is public record. Yeah, the same with Justin. He's very Anyone open. Anyone can Google these, these stories. Um, they're just examples, larger than life examples. But he, he ended up going back and taking back over Tom's after a year because mm. it was, it's not in that. The, the, the pleasure is right now. It's not how many people watch this podcast. It's not, what happens from people watching this podcast? This is as good as it's going to get right now. This action. This mm. is what it is right now. Mm. You know, this is the point. Right Not, on. Give me some depth because right this is so much fun. It's I mean, so I'll do fun. this yeah. for 10 years for my own for Just for, for life, you know. This is where the energy is. This is the stoke mm-hmm. right now. Not, not like what may happen or not. We don't care. Mm. So um, uh, the materialistic kick is so fleeting. If we're like hanging, waiting for somebody to pick us up, and, and who cares? That it, it, everyone knows the materialistic thing is vanishing. The sensual thing is a little subtler, so it has a little deeper, more profound thing vanishing. Uh, emotional satisfaction is much subtler and much deeper, much more permanent relatively which is why uh, people do things for love they do things for attachment that hurt physically Mm. or that cost them a lot of money materially those Mm -hmm. right they'll pass the material for that they'll pass the material for that you'll you'll hurt yourself for the sake of your child if you had to you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing you'll run into a burning building or whatever physical Mm -hmm. so where did that physical pleasure drive go it got lost it, it, it's subtler at the emotional level you get but then you get stuck there then you have cases the you know famous uh, einstein examples of him forgetting to dress and like coming in his robe and slippers to the to the, the wherever he went to work you know to the lab you know mm-hmm because it, and forgetting to, to talk to his wife for two weeks and like neglecting his it's not out of lack of love or lack of care for his physical thing or lack of care about his fashion. He was just so enraptured by the subtle pleasure of the 
intellectual satisfaction, which is so much deeper than this than even the emotional. Mm-hmm. Subtle, subtler still is the spiritual satisfaction of functioning from the subtle intellect. Mm. So getting into the thought of reality, getting into the thought of truth, having God thoughts, completely displaces all the lower things, all the material, physical, emotional, intellectual pleasures. The poet uh, Anais Nin, she said that superior pleasures kill the taste for inferior ones. Mm. And it's superior because it's subtler, it's closer to the truth. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd barely drink, not for any moral, ethical reason, it's because I love getting good sleep and feeling great in the morning. And it is a, just a different And having uh, attachment. Your, your practice. And, and the, the practice. And, and having your contemplation, there's, there's a higher reason. Right, there is more built into it, but even just for someone that is completely just a sensualist, mm. Try not drinking for, for three weeks and, and registering how great you feel in the morning. And it can just be, like yeah. you said, you, 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 a superior pleasure, the inferior um, pleasure falls away, seems... So anything kind of more lasting. So health, when you feel the buzz of positive health, like mm. where you're just so healthy that you've, you notice it. That's mm-hmm. such a nice thing. It's such a wonderful thing. And that makes you very dispassionate towards, like you're saying, um, any sensual indulgences that are fleeting and mm-hmm. that also have a price that take mm-hmm. away from that glow of health, you know? Right. But the, the Isavasya Upanishad that you quoted, uh, one of the Upanishads, one of the ancient texts that we study here, he says, the world is great darkness. Attachment to the material, the physical, the emotional, the intellectual is great darkness. He says, but attachment to the truth, to vidya, mm-hmm. is the word he uses. He says that's greater darkness. Mm. So now it's like, right. What? And it's like, I know that's true, and I don't know how I know that's true. Yeah. Experientially within, experientially with someone without. I mean, it's, I think there's, um, you can make the strong case a listener could s- listen to two guys in an ashram talking about spirituality and have a repulsion because of they've touched a third rail before of like yeah, getting yeah. close and, be, and feeling like that is they are as attached and arrogant as as uh, uh, an athlete yeah. can be. I, I, I think I, it's. I hope that's not what we give off, but I wouldn't yeah. fault someone for seeing three seconds and getting. That, uh, yeah, I, I think the emphasis is, is more like on the pleasure for you, the satisfaction, the, the I, don't, I don't even know what the right word is, the, the taste is so subtle, is so ethereal, is, is so profound and, in, and enjoyable on the deepest levels mm. versus anything else that you can do in life. His point is don't get stuck to that. Mm. Don't get stuck to that. Because then it's just... It's, he, Swami says, he says, attachment to the world, which is all those stages we went through, mm-hmm. material, physical, emotional. And so he says that's glue. Mm-hmm. That's normal glue. Like Elmer's glue or whatever. <laughs> school, mm. school glue. But attachment to the spiritual courses, 
to the path, to study and reflection and, and devotion and surrender and service, he says it's super glue. Mm, okay, so this is a deeper, uh, it's much deep. deeper meaning, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Upanishad. I mean, the Upanishads are the highest. They're not, they don't mince words. They're going straight in. Mm. So then everyone should be like, oh, well, I should give up spirituality. Then. I, I, I shouldn't come visit that ashram and get into studying Vedanta with these guys and stuff. No, that's not what we're saying. Do it always understanding that this is not it. Tadeva Brahma Tvam Vidhi Nedam Yadidam Upasate. He says it five times. Tadeva Brahma Tvam Vidhi Nedam Yadidam Upasate. The truth is not what you worship here. Mm. He says it five times. Wow. In a row. And they do not repeat stuff. In the Upanishad. In the Upanishad. Which is, uh, they're so famous for how Being terse so they are. short and terse and crisp. Tadeva Brahma says it five times. Nedam Yadidam Upasate. Five times. The truth is not what you worship here. It's not, it's not the courses. It's not the, we have three yogas. Karma yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga. That's what we're doing here. For the body, for the mind, for the intellect. These are all the spiritual disciplines that we're talking about from various angles throughout this podcast. It boils down to these classical three yogas to serve the whole personality, to reconnect with our true nature, with the self, with the totality, with the infinite, with the eternal. Don't get stuck there. Even in the Gita, it says, um, amazingly, it says, as is the use of a well of water where everywhere water overflows, such is the use of the Vedas to the seer of the Supreme. As is the use of a well of water where everywhere water overflows, such is the use of the Vedas to the seer of the Supreme. Such is the use of Vedanta. The, the seer has... He, Swami said it the other day. I don't know if it was in e-learning or in person when we were talking to him. I don't remember. But he said, he said uh, for the person that sees the truth, they won't read this again. It's the same idea. Mm. Don't get stuck. The, the beauty of the philosophy is so, so much, is so enticing, is so beautiful, is so entrancing compared to reading the newspaper. You know? mm -hmm. it's, it, the, the practice of giving and serving and is so wonderful mm -hmm. as opposed to being selfish. The path of having universal love and surrender and non-attachment at the emotional level and embracing everybody is so wonderful. It, it's so energizing. It, it, it's so purifying. Mm. He says, don't get stuck there. These are all means to the truth. Get to the truth. Don't take your eye off the truth. Never settle. Even for an angelic life of, on a, in a spiritual in the spiritual disciplines. That's what it says mm. in the Isavasya Punishments. Yeah, that is, uh, I'm glad we had this conversation. Yeah. And as, as every conversation that we have, because there is a, it is so subtle. And it applies to the gross, I imagine, but it also is so much deeper in, uh, and more applicable <clears throat> from the subtle. And it's just another reminder for how we kicked it off. Yesterday, we, the first part of, of this series was about kind of the, the, almost like the historical time of the ashram of your journey here mm -hmm. and, and the geographical place of where it is. Mm -hmm. and, and 
today, this episode is more about the spiritual place of what its purpose is. Yeah. Um, and really how it's, it, one, like anything, can be misused. Um, but also tied to, I hope we've also made it clear that you do not need to come here to, uh, to bathe your intellect. Is, right. is it Thoreau or Emerson that said? Thoreau. Yeah. In bathe. the early morning, I bathed my intellect in the stupendous and cosmogonal philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita. Right. So you don't need to come here for that. But, um, but it helps if you can. If you can. Yes, if you can, if you have that itch, it is, uh, and you got seven days. Yeah. For the next 50 years, you'll be glad you spent those seven days to come scratch the itch. But the, um, but it sounds like what we are, the message that we are polishing and making more clear that you are for me is from the into the wild aspect of, yeah, I want to go isolate. Oh, I want to get away from it all to that not being it to the, the ashram treating as, a, as just an escape. It's just another, it's as, it can be as much of an escape as diving into the newspaper mm-hmm. and that's not it mm-hmm. or even the actual truth you get further and further closer and closer mm-hmm. to the truth mm-hmm. but it still is not out there yeah no it's not yeah. and that seems to be the resounding theme yeah. over and over again yeah the truth is 1980 not this not this it's something else well Thank you, Joseph. Let's go have breakfast. Let's do it. Served. Let's go. Cool.